HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. If the Count of Monte Cristo and D'Artagnan, the musketeer, were to have a toast, what would they be drinking? We'll find out and a lot more today on A Taste of the Past. Well, I hope I conjured up some visions of the three musketeers. I don't know if you were thinking it. I was I was thinking it. <laughs> and what would they be toasting with? Hmm, I'm told it would be Armagnac. Armagnac is a wonderful brandy. It, I know that I love it, but I confess I don't know much about it. So I have with me here today an expert who's going to tell me everything I need to know, and then some. It's a little early in the day, so we're not actually tasting, but we've got a, a special announcement of an event you can go and, and taste later on uh, in the month. My guest is... David Lincoln Ross, and David is a journalist and a writer on food, wine, spirits, and travel, and his work has appeared in a lot of publications such as The Daily Beast, Cigar Aficionado, Food Arts, Forbes, Gourmet, you name it. He's He's been published around a quite a bit, and he has made it his specialty to learn all about Armagnac. In fact, in 1993, David was inducted into the Compagnie des Mousquetaires d'Armagnac, and that is an international society devoted to the pleasures of France's oldest brandy. So, I know one new thing about it. It's France's oldest brandy. Welcome, David. Thank you, Linda. And what, what, what is so? How did you get into this society of Armagnac? Well, it was uh, thanks to uh, a Gascon, a female from the Gascony region in southwest France, and it's in uh, the southwest corner of France. Gascony, which is a sea of rolling hills, 
is uh, in sight of the Pyrenees Mountains, and just on the other side is Spain. And uh, I was introduced to the Degas family. Uh, Ariane's father is uh, a former two-star chef uh, from the region, and uh, Ariane came here about 35 years ago, opened her fresh foie gras and game purveyor company called D'Artagnan. How appropriate. (laughs) The the fourth musketeer. And it was uh, through uh, a long friendship with the family that I became more and more knowledgeable about uh, Southwest France, Gascony, and as you say, France's oldest brandy, Armagnac. All right. So that leads me to, I mean, as I said, I know I love it. I I love Armagnac. Um, And I know it's a brandy, but that's about as far as it goes. So tell me, what, you know, it, the quick version, then we'll get into the deep version. What is Armagnac? Well, if you uh, go to the last two letters of the word, ac, A-C, comes from the Roman aqua for water, A-C-Q-U-A. So cognac is the site of a spring, an aqua, an aquifer in English, and so is Armagnac. So As France's oldest brandy, it has quite a heritage, and I would like to uh, thank Linda Palaccio and the Heritage Radio Network for the invitation. And if you go back to, uh, according to drinks historians and the Encyclopedia Britannica and other reputable sources, uh, the art of distillation traces back to uh, Egypt and uh, Pharaonic times. And it is said that um, distillation was originally uh, developed to create uh, cosmetics and medicine. So when you look at the tombs of Tutankhamun and other pharaohs and uh, the wall paintings, you will see the Egyptians very uh, uh, artfully uh, portrayed, portrayed, thank you, uh, with cosmetics. And uh, with the rise of Islam, uh, beginning in the 7th century, uh, the Muslims took the arts of distillation, not alcohol originally, and uh, carried it uh, across northern Africa. And uh, they uh, actually developed um, alcohol. And alcohol is a uh, Arabic, uh, is, is derived from Arabic, alcohol, And with the Moors entering Spain uh, for about seven centuries, beginning in around 700, until their expulsion in the 13th and 14th centuries, uh, the arts of distillation moved into the Iberian Peninsula. And from there, uh, in uh, somewhere in the uh, 13th or 14th century, it, it went over the Pyrenees, this, this technology of distillation, and the first written record of Armagnac being distilled dates from this period, uh, some, sometime in the late 13th, early 14th century. So that so is, is the historical roots of Armagnac. So it really does have a long history. I mean, it does. Going back to Egypt. Yep. Um, so they brought their, their knowledge of, mm-hmm. of distilling, and everyone mm-hmm. learned it from that. So yes. it is a distilled, mm, a distilled yeah. spirit. Although, and you told me, all right, even though you're not, you're, you're not an expert in distillation, and, yep. uh, but you know that you know enough that co- what's the difference between cognac and armagnac? That's a great question. Uh, cognac, uh, in the most simple terms, is distilled twice. 
So it yields a more refined spirit and a spirit at a higher level of alcohol once it comes out of the still. It's called double distillation. Armagnac, uh, if you will, uh, although uh, the Armagnac people might object uh, to the characterization, has a simple, simpler, or what is called a continuous distillation process. So uh, the uh, spirit that is yield, yielded in the distillation process comes out at a, at a somewhat lower proof. But because it's only distilled tw- once, it has a more fragrant and flavorful uh, result in the liquid. Uh, this liquid comes out in a white spirit. Uh, there is actually Armagnac block, uh, white Armagnac, and we'll get to that in a little bit with the classic Armagnac cocktail called a rapier's thrust, a pousse rapier. And uh, then it is put into the local oak casks uh, from the forest of Montluzon, M-O-N-L-U-Z-O-N. So not just any oak barrel. It has to be from the region. Yes. uh, The Montluzon forest has the darkest, uh, sappiest oak of all of the different uh, oak forests in France. Is that... Okay, and is that what gives Armagnac that deep, rich amber color? It does. You're absolutely right, because the uh, spirit pulls not only flavor, but color from this dark oak. Hmm. Now, I know that um, in some of the background you gave me to read ahead of time, I read that um, cognac makers are allowed to put a little keratin in some of their um, final yes. products. But with Armagnac, is it, is it all natural? Uh, they may. Uh, the Armagnac producers may, under regulation, put keratin in, just as the uh, cognac producers do. And they do that not for flavor, but to achieve a consistency of color. But if you really find an artisanal or uh, one farmer-produced Armagnac, um, they may not use uh, this keratin coloring agent. And uh, they depends solely on uh, the color coming from the oak barrels. Because it is, I mean, if any of you are familiar, it is a beautiful Yeah, it's uh, an amber flame amber, color. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, so when we hear references to eau de vie, mm-hmm. we are hearing references to, does that just mean brandy in general? Mm-hmm. Okay. It does. Eau de vie is literally water of life. Uh, in Celtic, it's Uskabe, which became whiskey. And... Uh, Armagnac, unlike cognac, is produced principally from uh, two different grapes. Oh, pe- yeah, I wanted to know about that. Yeah, the, the, the original grape was Picpoul, P-I-C-P-O-U-L, which means lip smacker. It <laughs> was a very acidic grape. It is a very acidic grape. But it's also, uh, in later centuries and uh, up to the present, uh, blended with uh, Baco Noir, which is a hybrid, and a native grape to the southwest uh, called Folle Blanche, a mad white. And uh, depending on the producer and the region, and there are three principal regions in Armagnac, there's uh, Bas Armagnac, Lower Armagnac. Yeah, I've uh, seen that on the, on the bottles. That's and uh, that's an, ap- uh, uh, an appellation. Then there's Tenerez, which is in the middle, if you look at an Armagnac map, uh, which is available online. And uh, then there's Haute Armagnac, High Armagnac, or Upper Armagnac. Uh, most of the great Armagnacs come from Bas Armagnac, but uh, which is uh, has a uh, 
different soils, both sand and chalk. Teneres is distinguished by more of a chalky style, and uh, each of the regions uh, lends certain taste characteristics to Armagnac. Uh, are these grapes are these grapes found in any other wines we might recognize, or are they used primarily for um, Armagnac or only for Armagnac? Uh, these grapes are typically used for uh, wines that are distilled into brandy because on their own, uh, they are very uh, astringent hmm. and acidy. But when distilled, because they're so flavorful in their you know, original state before they're crushed and distilled and distilled again, vinified and then distilled. Uh, then they yield all sorts of wonderful flavors. How they ever managed to get them to be such a wonderful drink is beyond me from, yes. from that long in history. But you said that Armagnac has quite a bit of medicinal history as well. Yes. Tell me a little bit uh, about that. There is a, a famous uh, bishop from the 13th century, uh, Saint Sauveur, and he was a bishop in uh, in the Armagnac region, and he was also uh, had been to one of the earliest formed universities in Europe, along with Bologna, in Montpellier. So he had a what was called a medical degree, and he wrote in one of his journals, uh, "Sipping uh, Armagnac on occasion leads to long life and uh, a very healthy state." I'm all for that. Yes. <laughs> Aren't we <laughs> Sounds all? good to me. Yes, right? all in moderation, of course. Right, right. <laughs> so it was really just this this um, high-powered alcoholic drink that he was using to treat mm -hmm. whatever ails you, right? Yes. Right. Okay, so it wasn't you know used as a tincture for... Whether know. he used it in a church service, <laughs> I can't say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there are all kinds of wonderful quotes, um, it, especially because of the, you know, the history of... of uh, Alexandre Dumas and the Three yes. Musketeers and all his books and the writings. Yes, um, there, but there are one. There was one wonderful quote that said, um, "It was some or somebody had written about." Oh, no, I know what it was. You tell me. It was from the Company of Musketeers. I think it's in their mission statement or something that you have to be in. We don't have to get it exactly right. Although you know, if I took yes. time, I'd look it up. You have to be in the right frame of mind to drink Armagnac because then. And, but does, don't worry about it because after one sip of Armagnac, you will be in the right frame of mind anyway. I don't. It was a cute turnaround right. phrase, but there are some wonderful quotes and phrases about it. Is I mean, if if people who I think also maybe enjoy uh, scotches, single malt scotches mm -hmm. and things, mm -hmm. they probably understand this. It's a very smooth, calming, relaxing feeling. It yeah. prolongs a, a wonderful evening. Uh, begun perhaps by this uh, fantastic cocktail of the region called the Rapier's Thrust or the Sword Thrust. And that is uh, a blend. Uh, here's the recipe. Uh, <laughs> you take a flute, uh, a champagne flute glass. You fill it up with uh, uh, most any sort of sparkling wine. There's sparkling wine from the region, which is hard to find here. But you can use a California sparkling wine. You could even use a Spanish cava or... Uh, Loire sparkling wine, or certainly if you want to go whole hog, uh, champagne. champagne yeah. And then you uh, add a, a good dollop, uh, maybe uh, up to an ounce of this white Armagnac, 
and then uh, Floc de Gascogne, which is sort of like a, a Lillet. It is a, uh, a herbal uh, fortified wine. And then you top it off with uh, a wedge of orange, and that makes a wonderful champagne-like cocktail. Mm-hmm. And, which uh, have really, um, they, they become very popular once again. Yes. All these you know retro cocktails, but champagne cocktails in yes. particular have become common so, again. Uh, that's a wonderful way to start the evening. And then after a full meal, uh, you take a uh, uh, either a little tulip glass or a brandy s- snifter, and you pour your different kinds of Armagnac, which come in uh, much like... Uh, cognac in uh, grades There's well we're gonna we're gonna get into that and we're gonna talk about how you know like what it tastes like and how to choose it hmm. and what some foods are that go quite well with it too when yes. we come back after this short break This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. are back on A Taste of the Past. I'm talking with David Lincoln Ross and talking all about Armagnac, the wonderful brandy from that region in France. And David, um, and there was I, before I forget, because we were talking about different quotes, and I remembered the uh, quote, it was from Alexandre Dumas in The Three Musketeers. And uh, D'Artagnan says to, to Artemis, maybe, he says, mm-hmm. why is that man sitting all and all alone and and artemis says he takes his drinking very seriously mm. now i can only assume that he was drinking armagnac <laughs> if he took it that seriously no doubt oh. well we were going to branch into uh, you know you go into you learn about armagnac and you say well i want to try it like cognacs too but I mean, the ra- the price range goes to something that can you, know, you need to take out a mortgage on your house, you yep. know, and and or you know a cheap bottle that you that might be suspect. So, what does one look for, and how can you choose a good bottle of Armagnac? Great question. Uh, like cognac, it uh, comes in grades 
of quality. Uh, in France, they're, uh, the lowest grade uh, is three-star or VS for very special. The next step up is VSOP, very special old pale. And uh, that's a very good level to start out at. And uh, bottles uh, which are available here, uh, like Laura Single or Da Rose or Lobad, uh, and we can uh, tweet the full spellings of those, will start uh, somewhere between 30 and $45 a bottle. And you will have a, a great experience uh, with those uh, wonderful VSOP Armagnacs. Uh, the next level up is, uh, again, a familiar designation, XO, for very old. Uh, the VSOPs are aged uh, at a minimum of four to six years, XOs uh, six years on up in the barrel. A distinguishing characteristic of Armagnac, which uh, the cognac producers only recently qualified for, but uh, under Armagnac re regulations controlled by the French government, uh, Armagnac producers have long been able to declare what are called vintage uh, products. And that means uh, all the Armagnacs were uh, sourced from grapes produced in one year. So if you go to a, a very good wine and spirits merchant, uh, sometimes you will see them display uh, a series of vintage Armagnacs going back even to uh, the late 19th century, on into the 20th century and, and into the 21st. Uh, these Armagnacs uh, go way up in price, as you were saying, uh, the price of a car <laughs> or more. And, but the uh, grapes aren't that old. That are the grapes there. are not that old. They will have, uh, uh, let's say, a 1934 vintage Armagnac from Lobad or Da Rose will have been aged at, uh, maybe 10 years, 15 years, maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, but they won't uh, age further once they're bottled. Mm -hmm. uh, but they do come from that year. And they are uh, characterized by great mellowness. Uh, they've been aged in that wonderful Montluzon dark oak. And uh, the flavor characteristics, the aromas that come out when you sniff, and you should sniff first before you gulp it down or savor it. Uh, the Bas Armagnacs are, are characterized by violets on the nose. Uh, they, when you smell it, it smells floral and caramelly and just luscious, like a, like a, it's so smooth and soft. And on the palate, the, the flavors just linger and, and just go on for miles. And then uh, the Armagnacs, whether they're vintage or just from the Tenerez region, that middle region between lower Armagnac and upper Armagnac, just the Tenerez, those are uh, flavors are, and floral notes are characterized by prunes or plums, and then they're also caramelly on the palate. Hmm, interesting. And they're now, delicious. You, but you wouldn't go stick your nose in the glass and sniff it. I mean, that would kind oh, of like the, you out, right? Uh, 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 um, as a member of the Mousquetaire d'Armagnac, mm -hmm. yes. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just take a, a couple small kind sniffs waft it back near, forth, near yeah. the glass because uh, you'll, you'll really get uh, a bouquet of violets. Yeah, oh, that's it's, it's violets. Interesting. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna look for that next yeah. time. Um, now, 
when you said so i still i'm i'm not quite understanding why they have these old old vintage years here if the grapes aren't even from that vin- where what is the well the grapes vintage? would be all from that vintage they are from that vintage and, okay but they're aged typically longer than a vsop which is 4 to 6 years or a vs the lowest on the ladder of quality right you know 2 to 3 years and um They also will have the characteristics of uh, the producer. They may have, you know, some more oak flavors. They may, depending on the the blend of grapes. So those vintage Armagnacs are, if you will, sort of curiosities and real reflections of the distiller's art, the ability to blend and marry the different uh, grape grapes, uh, Faux Blanche, as we said, and Peak Pool, and... uh, the different regions also have their uh, flavor characteristics. So it really is this whole alchemy thing mm-hmm. going on. That's I mean, a great word, a, yeah. yeah. And that magician. alchemy comes from alcohol. Yeah, yeah. So It goes back to the Moors and Egypt and makeup and <laughs> distillation. <laughs> well, let's talk about food. Mm. Now, generally, now I've always known that Armagnac is an after-dinner Mm-hmm. Drink something to enjoy later in the evening, right? Mm-hmm. A but, postprandial celebration, right? Right, um, and yet there are certain foods. I mean, well, let's talk about the region of Gascon. Yeah. I mean, I always say heavy, rich, mm, unctuous um, preparations. Uh, I guess that need to get cut through a little bit on the palate after after dinner. Yep. What are some of the foods that lend themselves better uh, to drinking Armagnac? Well, uh, the uh, chef from Gascony, who we talked about earlier, André Degas, came out with a cookbook in 1984, co-authored by Anne de Revel. One of our, uh, one of our friends in one common. One of our yes. friends. <laughs> and friend. in this book, there is uh, a leg of lamb, gigot d'agneau, uh, recipe, and it uses anchovies, garlic, and a a bit of Armagnac. So you can put it in a main course. Uh, some people uh, have been known to add a, a, a dollop of Armagnac into the traditional soup of the southwest France in the Gascon region called Garbure, uh, which is sort of a cabbage and vegetable and ham soup. And uh, that's a delicious. And uh, it's also can be used in... Um, Desserts. Uh, uh, Ariane Degas of D'Artagnan uh, has something, a product called French Kisses. And that's a that's a, uh, a prune filled with just a bit of uh, foie gras, uh, which has been uh, very lightly flavored with Armagnac. So it goes from, as they say, soup to nuts. <laughs> Indeed. Where well, you foie gras, and, and you mentioned the foie gras because yeah. I was waiting for you to mention yes. foie gras is, is always, um, not always, but often associated with, uh, oh, yes. with the tasting of yeah. Armagnac. And so, are the prunes not soaked in Armagnac? Or, uh, they soaked are. In Armagnac. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. They're softened and soaked in an Armagnac. Gives them the wonderful, yes. that kiss. Yes, that wonderful kiss of flavor. Um, and, and I'm thinking of, um, oh, I don't know, I guess... Um, duck, you know, fatty mm-hmm. ducks and mm-hmm. um, uh, confit and uh, yep. you know, some wonderful dishes like that. That certainly, I, you know, you, you conjures up the smell of Armagnac, if not the, you know, the taste yep. too. It's, it's all a, a, a wonderful prelude to having a, 
a, a, a nice aged cognac at the end of the meal. Uh, we were talking about how to choose a bottle and, and mm-hmm. the, the broad range of, mm. of Armagnacs that there are. Um, and even some of them that are in, you know, in the mid-range, they are, the bottles may sometimes look very ordinary, just very mm-hmm. you know, clear glass, um, mm-hmm. tall bottles, like a wine bottle. Mm-hmm. But they come in wonderful boxes and yes. have you know a lot of a lot of identifying writing on them yes, too. Yes, uh, background uh, histories and they also come in that old uh, bottle shape you were talking about the uh, f- uh, flacon uh, uh, which is sort of a a round squat shaped bottle and uh, it evokes uh, sort of the artisanal and rustic nature of uh, the Gascony region, which is really uh, a neglected, underpopulated area. It used to be much more populated, but with the migration of so many people to the big cities, uh, it's uh, a, really an undiscovered, wonderful corner of France to uh, drive around and travel and visit. And is Armagnac produced only in that region? I yes, mean, under allowed the, to be produced mm-hmm. only. Uh, under the French appellation laws, the appellation meaning a delimited area circumscribed uh, on a map, like a state is on our map, uh, the 50 states, it's uh, the three subregions again are Lower Armagnac, Bas Armagnac, the middle area, Tenerez, and the upper area, uh, Haute Armagnac. And that's it. And Do that's you- the appellation of. Armagnac. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it gives me um, at least I'm armed with uh, some more knowledge to to choose a bottle. But I'm looking forward to tasting some Armagnac as uh, well. Yeah. And I wanted to let our listeners know that um, David is also a fellow culinary historian. And in December, he's going to lead a tasting for the culinary historians, a tasting of Armagnacs, as well as give us a um, a tour a, a slide presentation and history with a, a tour of the region and uh, and tell us all about the wonderful history of Armagnac. This is going to be in December for the Culinary Historians of New York. You can find out more information by going to culinaryhistoriansny.org and that'll be coming up on the website very soon and you'll be able to it's going to be at Astor Center and you'll be able to enjoy Armagnac as well as learning more about it. And David, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank I, you. I, as I say, it's it's something that I I know I like but knew nothing about, and now I feel at least more educated. And I well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, please come on December 3rd. We're going to have a rollicking, good, <laughs> musketeer-type evening. That's right. We'll toast a few to the sleepy musketeers. Again, you've been listening to A Taste of the Past, and I'm your host, Linda Palaccio. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. 
To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.